At this time, any kids who are headed to our Covenant Kids Worship may be dismissed. That's for uh, kids four years old through first or second grade. Uh, we hope it's a helpful time for them. As always, kids are welcome to stay with us in our service. And this time I will uh, ask Pastor Alex to come and preach God's Word. So we continue um, with Luke, and if you can start looking at your Bibles, Luke 22, 39 to 46. But um, I want to start with this. Have you ever lost an important event because you didn't wake up on time? <laughs> I did a lot of those. <laughs> maybe a play date or maybe a game, maybe, I don't know, you name it, but you weren't totally awake <laughs> to get there. So I remember uh, I was flying from uh, Guadalajara. I used to work in Guadalajara, and my parents lived in Mexico City, like eight hours far away from each other uh, on uh, drive. Uh, so I remember that uh, there was a problem. We started flying from Guadalajara towards Mexico City, and then there was a problem with the plane. And thankfully, it landed. <laughs> but we were still kind of in the middle of the way. So... We got there. Well, they took us to the, uh, to the hotel and everything. It was very, very late. But they asked us to be at the lobby at 4 a.m. on the next day. And I'm like, or, or that same day. Uh, and I was like, ah, man, I'm going to have a hard time. So I went to the front desk. And, you know, this is, we're talking about 1995, so <laughs> no cell phones or nice gadgets. So I asked the front desk if they could wake me up at uh, 3.45 so I could get ready and go to the lobby. Sure, no problem. So I went to my uh, room, slept, and suddenly I hear, I'm like, okay. So I open the door, and there's the cleaning lady. I'm like, wow, look at my watch, seven o'clock. Oh. So I got up and got ready and then went down there, and I said, hey, what happened? You didn't call me. Oh, wait, hold on, sir. Let me check. What's your no uh, room number? And I give Oh, yeah, we, we've been having troubles with the phone there. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, you know, I went to the airline and, and they were able to arrange for a later uh, plane, um, for a later uh, flight that day. Obviously, I, got, I, I arrived home at night. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so that was, that was kind of uh, an unexpected situation where I fell asleep. So if I had been more alert or maybe even asking someone else from the same plane to wake me up, I had not lost my flight. Um, but this morning, as we come to the last time the disciples are with Jesus, Jesus go, goes to the Mount of Olives to pray right before he is arrested. And he tells his disciples, disciples to pray so they will not enter into temptation. But guess what? Sadly... They fall asleep. And Jesus has to wake them up and asks them again to pray so they will not enter into temptation. Jesus is entering now into the most difficult time of his life where he is fighting not only a physical but a spiritual battle. The very thing he came for, to die on the cross for our sins. 
The disciples are in, are in this battle with Jesus and are called to stay awake and pray during this difficult time or, of trial. As we study this portion of chapter 22, we'll see how Jesus gives his disciples an example on how to endure temptation, staying awake and praying. The same call is for us as we are called to stay awake and pray to endure temptation. So let's re read Luke 22. 39 to 46. It says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthened him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, Father, as I present your word and touch my mouth, touch my lips, touch my mind, that I can be clear on expressing your word. Touch our hearts, Father, that we can act according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So continuing with our series in the Gospel of Luke, Confidence in Christ, last week, Pastor John pointed out to us that we must be numbered with the transgressors. But because Jesus was numbered with the transgressors, we have forgiveness in the face of failure. Failure, failure of pride, failure of conviction, and failure to understand. As we mentioned earlier, the disciples experience again another type of failure. Failure to stay awake. As we see in Jesus' words, he, he asks them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The emphasis here is not much on the sleeping part but more on the praying part. But if we think through this, there is a figurative way of saying, seeing this. If someone falls asleep, he or she may fall into temptation. In a way, we don't have to be totally asleep to fall into temptation, but we can see it as if someone is not alert or not on guard. That person could fall into temptation. Jesus is not saying, don't ever sleep. But the priority is to pray rather than sleep. It is like he's saying, yes, I know you are tired after a long day. You are overwhelmed. And I know you are sad because I told you I must die. But instead of sleeping, go to the one that can give you strength and even rest in this time of trial. I don't know about you, but many times I, I find myself living by routine or just responding to situations almost by a reflex than actually thinking or being fully involved in what I'm doing. When we get 
when we let ourselves live lives that are very much a routine and prefer comfort and rest rather than alertness and prayer, we can easily fall asleep and as fallen and broken people, we fall into temptation and sin. So our problem here is that so when we fall asleep, instead of praying, we can easily fall into temptation. So praise be to God that Jesus did not fall asleep during his trial and prayed. He suffered and took the bitter cup filled with the wrath of God. Jesus humbly accepted the will of the Father and took that cup, the bitter cup of the suffering of the cross. Not because he deserved it, but as we saw last week, he willingly went to be numbered with the transgressors, to die for our sins and give us forgiveness in the face of failure. So our main point this morning is because Jesus took the bitter cup for us, we can stay awake. Now, three points. Stay awake to pray, stay awake to do his will, and stay awake to understand his love. So first, let's see, stay awake to pray. Jesus is asking his disciples, disciples to pray. In this passage, we see a, a, the word pray five times. One as a noun, but the rest of them are verbs. Two of them when Jesus is praying, but the other two as a command. Jesus says to, to his disciples two times, pray that you may not enter into temptations. Verses 40 and 46. Jesus is pointing to the importance of prayer. Jesus is not saying, pray and magically everything will be the way you want. But actually, it's showing the importance of prayer as a close relationship to God. As a continuous dependence on Him. Prayer is not the goal, but the tool to connect to the Father. We notice that from the beginning of verse 39, it reads, And he came out and went, as, his, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. As his custom. Meaning, something Jesus did over and over and over again. Came to the Mount of Olives and prayed. He constantly is seeking this time with God. Even more now that he is getting ready to give his life on the cross. In verse 41 says that Jesus withdraws from his disciples, kneels and prays. He is in, he is in total humility. The Jewish custom, and we've been studying Luke, so it was to pray standing up. Remember uh, the tax collector and he's raising his hands and the, the publican is there, but he's standing up and he's just beating up himself and saying, Father, I'm not worthy, right? Remember? So every time we see a prayer um, picture it's they're always standing up but jesus kneels down coming to the father in closer intimacy to pray opening his heart and soul recognizing the huge trial that he's about to go through he has known this moment for before the foundation of the world as as peter first peter 1 19 and 20 says that even before the foundation of the world he was made manifest. He was foreknown before the foundation that he was going to be the lamb to give his life for uh, the world. Jesus speaks up and lets his father know what his desire is, what is his personal preference, saying, Father, 
if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He knows what exactly is in that cup. And there are many, many verses from the Old Testament that talk about specific cup. Ezekiel 23, Isaiah 51, Jeremiah 25, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, Isaiah 51, Jeremiah 25, etc. The cup contains the sorrow and desolation. The cup of the wrath of God. Jesus pleads for this cup to be removed from him. It is the major test when Jesus is not only knowing, but weighing the final cost of this cup. I am sure he's tempted to try to escape from drinking this cup. But instead, he comes in humility to the Father in prayer and exposes his heart and desire, trusting that the Father is there and the Father is listening. I don't know about you, but many times I have started praying and I have fallen asleep. Or usually at the beginning of the year, I'm like, yep, 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to be praying. Yeah, I wake up, but you know, while I'm praying, I just fall asleep, and suddenly the third alarm goes on. Seven, ah, how in the world? But uh, so, yeah, it's, we have the desire, but we fall asleep. Some other times I start praying, and whether I get distracted on what I have to do, or I just start daydreaming, and suddenly I just have to move on, finish praying, and continue with my activities, right? Jesus' call for us today is to stay awake and prayer and pray. As he shows in this passage, he does, does it as a custom. We know from other passages, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17, to pray it without ceasing. And through Jesus' life, we see that he's constantly praying to the Father. But in this case, as his custom, he sets apart a specific time to pray. The same thing with someone you're meeting. Whether a play date, lunch, meeting, or even a Zoom meeting, you get your planner, and then you set that day, Specific day, specific time. Can we do that on a daily basis? Can we block a time? I don't know how many of you watch the movie War Room. So it is about a Christian lady that chooses a closet to spend time praying there. Do we have a place, specific place to pray? And I mean, I don't want you to go to your closet or, or I mean, but just choose a place maybe in your house or somewhere else, that can give you that private time with the Lord. Jesus went up to Mount Olives. Where do you go? I remember in Mexico, we used to have a prayer vigils, uh, meaning a prayer meeting that would last the whole night long. It happened probably twice a year. How many of these, or how many of, even a, a, just a prayer meeting, have you participated in? Or how many times have you fasted in this year? And now this is a whole different monster, right? This is another subject. But the, the gist of it is to get, to get us out of our comfort zone, to be aware, to recognize that we need him more than our basic needs, sleep or food. 
These are practical things we can do to facilitate our time of prayer. But the emphasis here is the connection with our Heavenly Father. A connection that would help us to be awake to do His will. So that takes us to the second point. Stay awake to do the will of the Father. It is the will of the Father and the Son that the disciples pray. And the reason behind that is so they will not enter into temptation. There are many ways in which the disciples could fall into temptation. But in this context, we see two ways they can fall into temptation. One, to fall asleep during this difficult trial. Being filled with sorrow, as it's noted in verse 45, that they could fall asleep. Bringing their guard down and escaping from reality by sleeping, forgetting about their responsibility to support Jesus. The second way would be to deny Jesus as he is arrested and taken to the cross. As we know, they can't stay awake and fall asleep. As we saw last week, Jesus foretells Peter's denial and the disciples' failure in following Jesus, nor standing for him. But it is the will of the Father that through the obedience of the Son, they will be restored. Jesus shows total humility and self-denial after expressing his will. Goes back to the Father saying, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knows the Father has the power to do anything and everything, but also knows that it is necessary for the Son of Man to be killed. We saw that in Luke 9:22. The day of the final test has arrived. Jesus has taught his disciples to pray. You will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We actually pray that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And now, not only by word, but by action. Jesus is saying and doing the will of the Father. In spite of the pressure and the great burden and suffering this brings to him. We can only imagine the suffering and as Luke is sharing the agony of this crucial moment. From the other gospels, Luke takes a closer look at what is happening, saying, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This picture speaks loudly of what Jesus is going through. There are some studies that say that a man can actually sweat big drops of blood when going through a very, very difficult time. Whether Luke is literally saying this or figuratively, we know that the Son of Man is struggling with what is coming his way. Yet he says, not my will, but yours be done. Something the disciples and we have to learn in spite of difficult circumstances, to seek over our will, to seek over our own will and look to the will of God in our lives. Jesus definitely knows it. He has shown every, even from his childhood, his knowledge of Scripture. He is constantly citing the Old Testament in such a way that even fights temptation, as we can recall at the beginning of his ministry, when he is tempted by Satan. Psalm 48 says, 
I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. This is a messianic psalm from uh, King David. I remember in seminary, that was one of our questions, right? Which ones are the messianic psalms? And the quick answer was all of them. All of them, all of them. We read one Psalm right here, and now uh, Psalm 40. But they are pointing to Christ, and, and we can take those words. And, but who comes to fulfill them? Not King David. He falls. He falls into temptation, as we know. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't. And he delights in doing the will of the Father. When my wife and I were first married, we lived in Maryland. She lived there before, I did, like a year before. So when we got married and we went to different places, I would drive and she would be my co-pilot telling me where to go, where to turn. But sometimes that didn't work well because whether an, a phone call, uh, she would answer a phone call or something and she would get distracted and I'm driving and I'm like, hey, where, where? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, here, here. No, no. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I'm like, what? What? After the bridge? What? what? So, as you can imagine, we, we struggled a lot. I struggled a lot. I got very, very uh, disappointed and kind of angry. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, she... Um, she was, she was very, very kind to me on my birthday. She gave me a GPS <laughs> that saved our marriage, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but, uh, but how could I get to our destination if I didn't know the way? When we don't know the way, how are we going to arrive? How are we going to get to our final destination or to our destination that day or minute? We need to know the way. We need to know instructions, directions. In a similar way, how can we do the will of the Father if we do not know it? Do we know the will of the Father? Do we, do we read our Bibles on a regular basis or only on Sundays? Don't answer that, please. Can we know the will of the Father in different circumstances of our lives by reading and meditating on His Word? Can we know and do the will of the Father even if it requires something different than what our personal comfort and desire is? Do we carry the word of God within our hearts, like the Lord Jesus saying, or King David? Do we delight in it? On a very practical note, if you, you have gotten out of the habit of praying and reading scripture, there are different phone apps. Now talking about gadgets, uh, those can actually help us to pray and read and memorize scripture for free. One of them is called Prayer Mate, where you can note different prayer requests, read different devotionals from well-known theologians. Actually, you can choose your theologians, etc., and help you to be more focused in, in your prayer time. And there's another app similar to it uh, that helps you to pray using scripture, but the focus on this one is to follow a program to read the Bible, whether in a year, two years, etc. Or it leads you to different Bible studies. It's called U version. We may always come up with excuses to allow us to get out 
of prayer or reading the Bible, or even that we don't want it to be legalistic. But again, prayer and scripture are ways we enjoy time with our Heavenly Father. Out of joy, we sit at his feet and learn from him. Out of joy, we desire to do his will and know him better. Ask the Spirit to help you make prayer and scripture a priority until it becomes a loved habit. So Jesus knows the will of the Father, yet he needs to connect to the Father in prayer so he can do his will. But how could Jesus accomplish, accomplish such an impossible task, even in his full human frailty? Jesus understand, understands the love his Father has for him. So finally, we stay awake to understand his love. If we notice, when Jesus starts praying, he says, Father, Father. The connection is very intimate. Other gospel says, Abba, Father, dear Father, Papi, Daddy. For some, the connection with our earthly father is null or negative or distant images. But Jesus shows the perfect way and connection to the best father, the heavenly father. As a little child who has experienced the constant provision and care of the Father, Jesus comes to him, trusting that his Father will provide even in difficult circumstances. Jesus has proven the love of his Father over and over again. As we previously saw, Jesus comes to the Father, to a Father that listens and answers with his perfect will. Several times when Jesus is asking the Father to answer whether to multiply fish and bread, heal thousands, or bring someone to life, the Father responds lovingly, always according to his will. And now, this time, even if it means that it will be costly to the Son and even more to the Father, his character of love cannot override his character of justice and righteousness. The conflict is not with the Son, but with a fallen humanity. Only someone who is perfect as the Son can fulfill such a call. And it is the loving character of the Father that provides humanity with such a priceless gift, his Son. The father cares for the son and res responds to the son's need in a practical way. Both know that the will of the father is for Jesus to drink from that cup. But the father sends an angel to strengthen him. Jesus is going through a huge tribulation, so the father provides an ally to remind him who does Jesus belong to and where is his home. Where is his final destination? Sproul, a theologian, reminds us that there are three times when the angels appear to Jesus. At his birth, after he is tempted in the desert, and during this prayer at Mount Olives. Mount of Olives. We see these three events marked by the angels as marked markers in Jesus' life, his birth and preparation, his ministry, and his passion. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says, Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There are several things that contributed to the joy of Jesus for which he preferred to do the will of his father than his own will, for which he endured the cross. But I would like to point out one of them, and Pastor John pointed out to that, that same point. It was the joy of loving. Loving his father so much that he listened and obeyed his will. Enjoying the love of the father for a broken world loving you and me so much fallen creatures that he willingly gave his life on the cross to restore our relationship with the father no longer enemies but now his children first john 3 1 says see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of god and so we are we are children of God, and we can call him Father, Abba Father, Daddy. And he listens to us, not because of us, because, but because what Jesus has done for us. Galatians 4, 4, 5, 6, and 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption have as sons and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father so you're no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God we heirs we are heirs with Jesus Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the father we are heirs and we can look forward to that promise and to that inheritance John 1 12 says but to, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God do you believe in Jesus have you believed in him have you received him in your heart if not I encourage you to seek for this relationship through the son to have the loving father as your father we are children of God. We can come and enjoy the love of our Heavenly Father, being sure that He hears us and that in time of temptation or trial or any other time, we can come to Him in prayer and He will not send an angel to strengthen us, but has already sent the Holy Spirit so we can call Him Abba Father. How can we humble and seek His will? How do we fight against our own flesh and stay awake? How do we fight against sinful desires if we don't understand his love and that he has a better reward for us than the temporal satisfaction of sin? It is only knowing his love and what he has done for us that we can stay awake to pray, to do his will with the strength of his love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that uh, give us peace and your word gives us an encouragement of a living water that is our Lord Jesus. 
We thank you for these promises. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. And Father, just we pray that you would help us to understand your love so we can respond accordingly. Be with us and help us do everything for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and respond with the song, Arise, my soul.